0: All right, hello guys. Welcome to another episode of Lumia Sports. I'm Mr. Mason. Joining everyone, Darno Jones. What's up, guys? All right, and today, as you guys see, we are again short-handed, no dom, but hopefully, no problem. As we are going to go over the games from Monday, March 1st, and from Tuesday, March 2nd. So let's get into it. Uh, first and foremost. The Cavs end up beating the Rockets 101 to 90. This is the second or third straight win for the Cavs. As Colin Sexton went crazy, 39 points, 8 assists for him, 12 of 20 shooting to lead the way for Cleveland. Um, Garland as well, 14 points, 7 assists. five for 13 doing what he could to get everyone else involved. Uh, For the Rockets, they did have Oladipo and Wall and still couldn't really stop them or score quite enough as well. 32 points. Five assists, 11 to 24 shooting, and Oladipo, eight for 21 of 20 points, but they just didn't get production from really anyone else. Darnell, what did you see in this one?
1: Yeah, for the Rockets, it's going to be tough for them to win games right now because John Wall has to play at a level that I don't know if it's sustainable. And Victor Oladipo also has to, you know, get things going offensively, only shot 38%, you know, on 8 for 21 for his 20, so you like to get him, you know, a little bit more efficient than that, and they get no production from anybody else, for this game they started Justin Patton, he got them 6 boards, 6 rebounds, that's good, because he was the only guy that's semi-tall, I think he's like Mm 6'11", so that's something to watch for as far as when Christian Wood returns and, you know, it, it's really tough to play small ball when you don't have a legit superstar like James Harden. So, or, uh, you know, whoever else, it might be like a Steph Curry or somebody like that. John is not quite on that level. He's not, you know, that type of three-level scorer. He's a great driver, but, you know, he needs someone to play off of. And when Victor Oladipo struggles, they're not going to be able to beat a team like the Cavs, who had a, a hot Colin Sexton, who scored 39. And the most impressive part about it was his eight three-point attempts. For me, getting to the line 15 times, and his eight assists was also impressive. So the Cavs are going to go as far as their backcourt takes them, and that's Colin Sexton and Darius Garland. Darius Garland had 14 and seven, but it felt like he was more uh, impactful than that. Sometimes his score, his box scores, his field goal percentage is always low for some reason or another. But it always feels like he's out there making a positive impact, as you can tell in a box or in a plus minus being a plus seven. So Isaac Okoro, another guy, he took six threes, was one for six, but he was a plus 19 because he's playing great minutes out there, you know, doing a great job defending Waller taking out all the people out of the game. And I think the Cavs have, you know, getting healthy. They have Indiana tonight. And just looking at it, I hope they can get healthy after the break and try to make a run for, you know, just to end the season off on a good note.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. Moving – looking at the Rockets for a second here, it's kind of sad, you know, when you look at, you know, how the injuries have derailed their season – Because, again, Mm -hmm. they're missing, obviously, Christian Wood, but they need Eric Gordon, too, like you said, to give them a three-level score, um, which is just something they don't have right now. Because Oladipo and Wall are going to take those shots, but they're not as efficient as at least Eric Gordon would be. So it's just – it's like – but this, again, we – I mean, I've been saying that for a while now. This is just what happens. If you're going to employ a bunch of guys who get hurt, then they're never going to be healthy together. And that just, unfortunately, has been the case – uh, for the Rockets and for the Cavs, hey, Amen. Maybe they can start riding the ship here. They look like a little better. Now they're getting used to Jared Allen in the starting lineup, and now Andre Drummond. Obviously, if they get Nance back, that'd be huge. Or Kevin Love, that'd be huge for them. Um
1: So we will see. Oof. So it's it's supposed to, they're supposed to be, a, be getting Mary Nance, Kevin Love, and Matthew Dellavedova after All Star break. So. That's the update on that.
0: Hmm. It's gonna be interesting. Yeah, we will see. Remember, they they beat the, they beat Kyrie and KD once, and I think they beat all three of them together one time. They yeah, they did. Um, so yeah, definitely high high potential. They just haven't seen because they haven't really had a power forward all season. Um, oof. Moving on, the Mavericks beat the Magic one thirty. 124. Another great game for Luka. 12 for 22 from the field. 5 for 10 from deep. 33 points, 10 rebounds, 9 assists for him. For Zingas in there. Again, obviously, we know big that is. 17 points, 10 rebounds off the bench. Jalen Brunson, who's been impressive this season. 24 points for him off the bench and 6 rebounds on 9 of 13 shooting. For the Magic. Vucevic continues to try. Twenty-nine points, fifteen rebounds, eight assists, plus ten out there doing all he could, but he just couldn't get it done for some reason. They continue to play Birch over Mobamba, and he goes out there and he's a minus sixteen. Um, Darnell, what do you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one for the Magic is tough. Um, they got a good game out of Evan Fournier. He gave him twenty-six. Michael Carter Williams gave him eighteen. They got 18 off the bench from Terrence Ross. Vucevic, he's playing – he's an all-star this year, and he gave them 29, 15, and eight, and it still wasn't enough because they couldn't get stops on the defensive end. And, you know, they let a team like Dallas just score whenever they wanted to. A guy like Luka just going out there, scoring his 33, making five threes, ten rebounds, nine assists. He's, again, playing like an all-star this year, like an MVP – you know, this recent stretch of them winning games and getting above 500. And all they need is Porzingis to pitch in some, like some nights it might be high teens, some nights it might be 20 plus, but as long as he's in the rotation and having a positive impact, Dallas is going to be a dangerous team. Jalen Brunson, I think I said it a few podcasts ago, he was playing like one of the best backup point guards in the league and this is another example of why he had 24 points, six rebounds, three of six from three, nine of thirteen overall. That's just great production, especially when you have an off night from Tim Hardaway, who shot two of eight, did get to the free throw line, only had five points. So that's got good production off of their bench, good production from the starters, and everyone seemed to have rolling. Mm-hmm.
0: The Mavs right now, they're just doing their job, and they're winning these games they're supposed to win, because they have to, obviously, in the Western Conference to get in the playoffs. But they are now over five hundred for the first time, I want to say, in a while, if not all season, because they started off rough with no Porzingis. So, um, huge win for the Mavs there as they just continue to kind of surge up and um, look a lot better going forward. Also, I got to say, Luca being in the starting lineup with the All-Star game does not look as bad now as it did a week ago, because... Even though they didn't lose this night, the Blazers have been losing and the Mavs have been winning, so they're, like, right there and record-wise with each other now, him and Dame. So, a note. Um, but moving on, the Sixers ended up being the Pacers 118-114. It wasn't even as close as that score indicated, as the Pacers, you know, on a meaningless fourth quarter by 12 points. They really did get destroyed off the court. Um. Four of the Pacers, Brogdon 9 for 17, 20 points. It's a bonus 6 for 12, but they all shot decent, but they couldn't really overcome, you know, what the Sixers did because they only shot 27% from three um, and only made eight. The Sixers made 15 threes and shot 56% from the field. Um, led by Joel Embiid, 24 points, 13 rebounds, five assists, plus 22 from him. And Ben Simmons, 18 points and a plus 25 out uh, what you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was over before it started. Well, it wasn't over before it started. It started off close. It was, you know, 33-32 at the end of the first quarter. And just in that second quarter and that third quarter, you know, Philly just made a big-time run. And there was nothing Indiana can do. Indiana, or Philly was coming off of the loss to Cleveland. And they wanted to prove that they were the team that everyone thought they were and not – a team that can get, can be up and down from night to night, depending on who they play. So they showed up and you got a good performance out of Joel Embiid being a plus 22 with his 24, 13 defensive rebounds. And for Ben Simmons, just continuing to be aggressive scoring 18, being that defender out there. But this game for Philly was really about shake Milton and Cork miles off the bench. This is what you want. You want, them to be able to play free and shake to have 26 Quirk Moss have 19 and I don't know if that's something that's sustainable because that's a rarity for them to both just have a great game like that but if they can have that type of production from one of those two and to go with Ben Simmons and Joel having a hot night and when Tobias gets healthy the Sixers are going to be one of the most dangerous teams in the Eastern Conference and whether they can compete with the Nets is going to be contingent on Milton and miles performing off the bench. Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. And one thing for me, he always – I don't know why recently, Max always been negative, but he came off the bench with five assists. Just That's why he needs to be out there. I mean, just help them passing so they're shaking yeah. miles could get you know, easier looks. We yeah, if miles going to go crazy, I mean, I've been highly critical of even playing him. But if I mean, if he's gonna hit six of thirteen, if he can, if he can hit the shots consistently, that's what they need. So, hey man, go out there and do that. And I mean, you know, they are playing the Pacers, and the Pacers stink. We know this, but hey man, it's a good win for the Sixers. They needed. They need to kind of get back to putting them together, um, and being a consistent team again. That starts with uh, mm-hmm. beating these teams because they've been losing some of these easy ones. Um, Moving on, where do you, where do you go? the nugget, oh No, the Blazers end up being the Hornets 123, 111. Um, LaMelo ball really did. He continues to play well 10 for 18, 30 points, eight assists, four steals, doing everything he could. But with no Gordon Hayward, that's going to be an obvious issue, and no Graham. They just didn't have enough to overcome the Blazers in this game. A for 21 was Dame, 23 points, 10 assists. Um, but they got 21 from Covington, was 5 of 7 from deep, and 29 from Carmelo up the bench, 10 to 19, 6 to 10 from three. Um, Darnell, what would you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was really fun to watch. Um, watching LaMelo out there and scoring his 30, you know he was a minus 18. He was just exciting. He was making his threes. He was 5 of 7. He was taking them from distance. He got to the free throw line, was converting there. He was – getting his teammates involved he rebounds well for a card he's just the front runner for the rookie of the year and it's not surprising to me that he's playing as well because I always thought that he was a high level prospect much higher than his brother coming out and it's just interesting to see how he's been able to gel with Terry Rozier even though you would think that it would be some kind of competition there between who's going to be the point guard but it it fits and it works and that's because the a you know unselfish player and he's a really really talented rookie and I'm just excited for his future there was a rumor that he was invited to skills challenge over the weekend but they said that he turned that down so that would have been exciting to watch but we'll just have to see him you know, when the season resumes or when they play tonight. But looking at Portland, Portland's going to win all of their games when they're in the positive, when Damian Lillard is on the bench. And when Dame was on the bench, Carmelo was out there just dominating, taking over the game. He scored 29. He was 6 of 10 from three. And I saw a stat on ESPN that Carmelo made 10 of – he was – he made 10 nothing but net shots, which is some the, – the most amount since, I don't know, however long. But it was just – if and then you watched it over, and it was like, yeah, every shot, nothing but net. And it, he just had it going. And whenever you can get good shooting tonight from Gary Trent, I always say they have a chance to win. When Covington is good and he's making his jump shots, They're going to hit a lot of threes, and they set a franchise record with 24. So that's something that they want to continue to build on going forward. And with their players out, being able to play at this level is really encouraging to see.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, You're exactly right when you say, like, we don't know if LaMelo and Terry would work together. One thing that I was saying was the one guy you kind of didn't want on the bench – Um, was Devontae Graham. And the reason I was saying that is because he's the one with, like, the least trade value. Like, Mm
1: -hmm. to me,
0: they kind of wanted to move on from Terry. But Terry now, I mean, he's been a very consistent scorer with LaMelo in there. Someone else could just actually do something. Because Graham was so up and down earlier this year, he just wasn't consistently giving him anything. And that meant that Terry couldn't consistently um, do it either. But... Hey Amen. Another good win for the Blazers. They just another team right now. The West just keeps beating these Eastern teams are supposed to beat. Um, you know, they did lose to them recently, but they needed this one and they got this win. Um, moving on now, the Nuggets beat the Bulls 118-112. It was a close game down the stretch, but the Nuggets end up closing it out as Murray and Jokic were great in the fourth quarter. Um, Jokic 7 for 28 in the game. 39 points, 14 rebounds, 9 assists. Jamal Murray came with 24 as well. Michael Porter pitched in 17. Overcome Zach Levine, 9 for 20, 23 points. He was a minus 20 out there. Kobe White, 20 points, 10 rebounds. The bench tried, but it was not enough. Darnell, what did you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was close, but, you know, Denver just had more offensively. Jokic going off for his 39 getting his nine assists, making 17 field goals. Like, that's a lot of field goals to make in the game. And Jamal Murray, he's been playing at a great level. He's not quite the all-star that, you know, he was in the bubble, but having Michael Porter Jr. contribute and pitching his 17, you know, that helped him out a lot. Will Barton in the starting lineup, he gave him 14 in the plus nine. So they – didn't really get much production off the bench, but it didn't really matter because Chicago just didn't get the stops down the stretch. I think it came down to, they were up one and Jamal or yeah, Denver was up one and Jamal Murray caught it on the three-point line in a transition and took a three and put him up four. If they would have missed that shot and they would have got a rebound, maybe they would have been in a position to win, but. It came down to, you know, one possession or two and Denver just happened to pull it away.
0: Yeah, that play, I think it was either exactly being turnover or a miss or something. I remember he had the ball, and that's why they got it mm-hmm. in transition. And Jamal, you yeah, in transition, just open three, hit it. It was like, dang. And, yeah. you know, the Bulls announcers were like, man, it takes a lot of confidence to shoot that shot. Because they were up one, he didn't have, could have easily got a layup. But he said, nah. We're ending the game right here. And that pretty much uh, did it. Um, yep. Hey, man, what, what, what can I say? You know, when I'm right – and I picked the Bulls win this game because I'm dumb. But when I'm right, unfortunately, man, I'm right. Zach Levine just seems like – not even seems like he just constantly just doesn't get it done, man. It's just too many instances of him just not getting it um, done in these moments
1: that I did see for a
0: But –
1: did you know that Zach Levine leads the NBA in clutch time scoring? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'll be watching him not do it.
0: I'll be right there looking at <laughs> and watching him. It's not even that he doesn't – Well, he takes a lot of them, right? Yeah. You'd want to say it's because he has to. I don't know if he has to necessarily. But regardless, he takes a lot of them and – he makes some of them, but he misses a lot of them, too. And and he takes just dumb shots. That's really what it is for me. It'd be like, it's just a lot of just really, really bad shots that just make me mad. And I'm just like, <laughs> you don't have to shoot that that early right now. Like, it's not yeah. near at all. It really isn't. Um, <clears throat> but hey, man. Whatever it is, what it is, man, it's the best the Bulls could do, so it's fine. And he's a minus twenty, and they lose by six. So got nothing else to say to that. Um, <laughs> moving on, hey Amen. The Spurs really, really fought with the Nets. They end up losing one twenty four, one thirteen overtime. They had ten straight um, in the fourth quarter to get it into overtime. A rare Kyrie Irving miss and a crazy Dejounte Murray shot. So then an OT. Once it was an OT. The Nets then fully were like, all right, let's stop letting these guys even get close and win this game. Um, Kyrie Herrera, off night for him, nine for 24, but he had six of ten of his threes, 27 points, seven assists for him, no turnovers. So even though it was an off night, he did not turn the ball over. James Harden, 12 for 23 from the field, 30 points, 15 assists, 14 rebounds. And Bruce Brown has really stepped up as a big contributor for them. 23 points on 10 of 13 shooting. And for the Spurs. I mean, you know, DeRozan, nine for 21, 22 points, 11 assists. He continues that great passing that we've seen from him. Um, But they just couldn't quite get enough, even though everyone played well. Just you're playing one of the best teams in the league. Um, Darnell, what did you see on
1: this one? Yeah, this was uh, interesting because it was a matchup of styles. It was the Spurs versus the old Phoenix Suns style. And they both played with a high pace. As you see, they both scored a lot of points. But Brooklyn's just a more high powered offense tonight. Just do it with, you know, more elite level players. If you know, for San Antonio, DeMar DeRozan was great with twenty-two, but he took twenty-one shots to put to do it. He had eleven assists, which is great on three with three turnovers, but James Harden was a little bit better he scores 30 with 15 assists and zero turnovers. The difficulty in that is super high level. And James Harden's just been playing like an MVP. And there's just, he just does it on a night in and night out out basis. And a lot of people don't really respect James Harden's game because of the aesthetics of the way he hunts for fouls sometimes and kind of, the way he's granted fouls a lot of the times. And I think overall, if he removes that part of his game, which for the Nets he has, because he hasn't had to be that volume scorer that he was in Houston, you see that he can get high-level assists. He did it a few years in Houston, but the best years for Harden for Houston was when he was out there scoring 35 a game. And if he can get 15 assists and continue to play point guard for this team – Put Kyrie Irving in position to be that shooting guard and get high level field goal attempts, it's going to be tough to beat them, especially when nights where they get contributions from a Bruce Brown or a Nicholas Claxton off the bench with 17. Like, no one knew who Nicholas Claxton was. I mean, we did because we watched basketball, but most people don't know who that is. And you know, they don't have Kevin Durant, so it's just scary to, to, to even picture how they're going to look when they're fully healthy and everyone has the system down.
0: I think for me, it's <clears throat> it's kind of like the Nets do this thing that you see great teams do. They can really mirror how you play and then do it mm-hmm. better than you can. Um, yeah. The Spurs are a team that just doesn't turn the ball over and they just fight you, fight you, fight you. The Nets, and they had nine turnovers, this is great. Nine turnovers is a great day. The Nets had five. Five yeah. turnovers is absolutely ridiculous. And if your two best ball handles are going to have zero, like like Kyrie had zero with seven assists, but James Harden had 15 assists and zero turnovers. That's, like, absurd. And you do wonder, you know, at some point – I know he left the team and the Nets were a good team, but KD really isn't there a lot now. It's been a while, Right. James yeah. Harden has got to start entering the MVP discussion, doesn't he? In you know, the 23 and 13. Oh. Oh, yeah, for sure. He's definitely in there. You'd think, but I don't know if he's on the – he wasn't on them recently. I think he's – like, he really does – he really does have to be for me. And I, I put him – I put him right now behind – I think I'd put him behind, obviously, LeBron um, and beat and Jokic. I'd probably give respect for a little bit longer to the Curry, Luka, Lillard group, and then it'd be James for me. Um,
1: I was going to say, the, I was going to say, i put him ahead of Kawhi Leonard.
0: Yeah, MVP he's got a Kawhi Leonard. He had a Kawhi Leonard to me. Um. Because we'll talk about it later. The Clippers win games without him. And the Nets, I don't think, have they played one game without James Hart? I think they played one and they lost to the Cavs. Him on the team. I don't think they've played another. They they might have. Actually, they might have played another game without him. Kyrie was by himself. That makes sense. Sounds right. But. Yeah. <clears throat> the only reason he's not obviously, like, up there with the other guys because, you know, he missed the early part of the season. was on a different team, yada, yada. But. I mean, he's making a real push for this thing. And I think give it, give it, you know, give it some more time if he's consistently there, two weeks to a month. I definitely would have him right in that top four ahead of those other guys. The other guys, just like they've been there most of the season. No, they've been there all the season, actually, all three of them. Dame, um, Luca, and Steph. And they have a little less help around them. But if you really look at it, I mean, James Harden does just have Kyrie. Uh, and he's had about 80% of the time but he there he's right there and it's yeah. going to be very interesting and fun now um, obviously we know the Nets just it's just what they do and it's another impressive win back to the winning ways and it's a good team that you know we knew was going to fight them and they just, just did it again another good win for the Nets
1: and what's surprising about the Nets' last point is they do have they, – they win a lot of these games against the Western Conference. And I think it's not like they're just beating over the East and they're proving that they can beat the best teams in the league and they haven't proven it against a healthy Lakers squad yet or, you know, they haven't played the Bucks or even the Sixers, but they're beating everybody else.
0: They've played us plenty. they played us once and beat us with nobody there. That was sad. That was a sad day. I think they played us three times. But we
1: haven't – I don't think we've, yeah. we've gotten a fully healthy matchup of everybody on the floor.
0: Yeah, there was no KD there last time. I think they so, beat us anyway. <laughs> I don't remember. I don't know. They beat everybody without KD, though. That's the thing. That's the whole thing. I mean, yeah, the Lakers, True, Lakers weren't healthy completely. But, you know, they beat the Mavs. They beat them pretty much. But, hey, man, we will see. Right after All-Star break, Katie should be back. So we'll see about that one. Um, Moving on, the Pelicans beat the Jazz. Our last game for Monday night, 129-124. Um, in this game, Bogdanovich tried 31 points, 11 for 21 shooting, seven for 11 from the f- from three. Um, but Mitchell struggled, seven of 21, 21 points, eight assists. Conley four for 12 from the field. Even though Clarkson tried off the bench with 20, it was not enough. And for the Pelicans, Zion just doing what he does, 10 for 17, six and nine from free throw line, 10 rebounds, 26 points, five assists. He continues to be an assist man. Lonzo Ball, 23 points, eight assists for him on nine of 16 shooting. And Brandon Ingram, 26 points, five assists, 11 of 20 shooting for the field from him. Darnell, what did you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was a good performance, you know, by the Pelicans. They got a great game out of Lonzo. He went three for five from three, seven rebounds, eight assists with his 23 points. Brandon Ingram had a Brandon Ingram game, 11 of 20 from the field, 26 points. Zion, 26 as well, 10 rebounds, five assists. Six, he did have six turnovers, but, you know, it doesn't really, it didn't really matter too much. And they got production out of J.J. off the bench, which was a big bright spot for them as they're trying to, you know, get him back to playing at the level that he's accustomed to. Josh Hart was better than he was the previous game. I think he went 0 for 8 or something or 0 for 6 from 3 and had two points yeah. the previous game. So that's a lot better for him with his 13. And anytime you can get good Lonzo games, you want you want to win those games. He wasn't efficient from the field the last game, but I did say he had a good, a good game. And this is just another one. And for Utah, it's just tough. It's tough because... Everyone, no one played at an exceptionally high level. Maybe outside of Rudy, who had twenty-two and nine, but he's a—he probably can get a lot more rebounds than that. And everyone else was off. And except Jordan Clarkson, who was twenty points, does what he normally does: seven to fourteen shooting, three or seven from three. But it came down to Joe Ingles. Joe Ingles can't play twenty-two minutes and go. Of three from the field. He's got to be able to score or at least get high assist numbers for them to, you know, have everyone playing at the level that we've seen them play throughout this, you know, recent stretch where they won all those consecutive games. But now they've been kind of coming back down to earth a little bit. I don't want to beat them, beat on them too much because they're still a really dangerous team. But it seems like. Teams are finally starting to figure out how they can attack the Jazz and where the Jazz are susceptible. And it just seemed like New Orleans just had the right formula to win.
0: I have a theory, all right? Yep. had this theory. I was cultivating it. It came up three weeks ago with Jazz. So here's the theory. I think we've seen this in the NBA, so it's not crazy, but I think, I think they're better without Michael Conley. I think they're better without Conley. Because what happens with No Conley is Ingall starts and he's just a better defender just because he's taller. He's taller and he can guard taller people. And as you saw um, from the Pelicans, the problem wasn't, you know, them shooting threes or anything. It was they were just getting the basket. They only hit seven three-pointers. Seven, you know. It's been forever since mm-hmm. the team could win with only seven threes. And I just feel like, that we're seeing what what we've seen from them isn't a lapse in offense. It's not like his offense is the problem. But it's their defense. Their defense is not the same, and I think that's why. I think it's just something to look for. But remember, without Conley, they won eight in a row, um, and so it's just again, hey amen. It's a little thing, but as we've noticed, like you said, they're starting. Maybe they're getting figured out, or maybe. It really is just because Ingles is just better than the starting lineup just because of the height uh, aspect of things. Um, but time will tell. Uh, so we'll see about that one. Um, but that, that's just my thought. It's my theory. And uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. Um, so moving on to Tuesday, let's get right into it. Oof. The Hawks end up beating the Heat – 94.80. Um. Again, no Jimmy Butler. This game, the Heat got their win over the Hawks, and I said, you know what, Jimmy can also sit. Um. New coach for the Hawks, Dan McMillan, uh, taking over for Lloyd Pierce. Um. Got fired, like I said, he would. <laughs> Didn't know it'd be then, but he got. I can. Um. Trey Young, 18 points, 10 assists. Um. 5 for 12. He did have eight turnovers, but still plus 12. Um. And really, the game was just the Heat just had no one who could score. No one had over 14 points for them. No one shot 50% from the field. So, Darnell, what did you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was a game where the Hawks had their depth. You know, they had, you know, one of the few games where they've had everyone healthy. Most of their bench has been depleted this year with injuries to Gallinari. Bogdanovich has missed all of those games. Rondo's been out. Okongwu's been out. And this is one of the first times they've been able to kind of get their starters back to playing well and playing together and not being either Trey Young or Bust or John Collins or Bust. It's kind of just everybody out there contributing together. and Playing a better style of basketball, I think that's what it came down to for Atlanta. One of the reasons for their coaching change, I think people were starting to – they were losing the locker room. I think Lloyd Pierce was losing a lock on him. And when, whenever you get a new coach, you want to get a win for him. So I think this was part of what that was. And obviously Miami was depleted, not having Jimmy Butler out there as major for them because he's the best player on the team outside of maybe Bam. And with Jimmy out there, he plays a lot of that point guard and it allows Kendrick Nunn to be that scorer and he was off not having someone to set him up. He was only 3 of 12 from the field with six points. Tyler Hero was a minus minus eighteen, three of 12 as well with nine points, not what you want to see out of two of the better guards on the team. So whenever whenever Miami's not healthy, and even sometimes when they are healthy, it's times where they just look flat, and this is just one of those nights. They only scored 80 points which is obviously not a lot. And I think this was just a weird game. 94 to 80 is just a box score you don't see often.
0: Yeah, game was ugly. Um, the Hawks obviously played defense harder than they have all season with the new coach. Trying to make that good first impression is what it looked like to me. <clears throat> but they did. They played defense. They helped the heat to 80 points. Heat, a lot of inefficient scoring for them. Um, the weirdest thing about this one to me is the Heat really only had seven turnovers and the Hawks had 23. So I don't even, yeah, that's just bad. Um, but you know what I mean? It is, uh, is what it is. Uh, the Hawks get the win and we will see maybe things start looking up for them going forward. Um, moving on, hey amen. The Spurs beat the Knicks 119.93. Um, obviously huge miss for the Knicks. No Derrick Rose. He's been their best player. Quickly tried to replace that with 26 points, but it was not enough. He had a 21 shooting, but he could not quite uh, get the job done there. Randall, six for 16. They knew how to stop him, and they just shut him all the way down. And for the Spurs, again, balanced scoring. No one had over 18, but they had six guys in double figures, including... One, two, three, four more with eight plus points. So strange game Murray 17, 6 to 16, plus 23 for him. And Lyle seven for 13 from the field, 18 points. So uh Darnell, what'd you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was, you know, about coaching. And it's about, you know, the Knicks have been I think going into the night, they were the second best defensive team in basketball playing behind Tibbs, and San Antonio just picked them apart. Like, they're, they're the way they moved the basketball and share it well, and they only had eight turnovers, and to have that kind of balanced scoring with such few turnovers just shows that they were moving it well out there and getting everybody involved. And as you see, DeRozan had another high assist night with 11 – with zero turnovers so he was out there playing being really impactful and they got great minutes off the bench from guys that you just normally don't see play a lot of minutes and this is just a game where strength and numbers mattered and for the Knicks they got great production out of five out of four players RJ Barrett Julius Randle Frank and quickly off the bench, but without Derrick Rhodes out there, I think it put some of their players in, you know, more high leverage situations and they just weren't able to produce and not great shooting nights from Julius Randle is going to be a bad game for the Knicks because they really go as Julius goes.
0: Yeah, exactly. And you know, the Spurs, they're uh, pop. He's been great for years. He's taking out your best player. Um, just another one of those situations. And for the Knicks, obviously, if there's no Derrick Rose, no one else could help really create for them. Them in that starting lineup, and it just ended up just being tough for them to do much of anything. So moving on. Amen. Hey man, the Nuggets beat the crap out of the Bucks, 128-97. I did not see that one coming. Not like this. Um, but Murray and Jokic have found the rhythm now. Jokic, 37 points, 11 assists, 10 rebounds, basically what he did um, on Monday. And Murray, 24.6 assists, again, basically just doing what they did on that day. Roger, Dozier, um, P.J. Dozier, 19 points for him off the bench for Nuggets, and that was really the difference as the Bucks didn't get any bench production. Giannis had 27 points, 10, 15 shooting, but just no one else really came through for them. Dante DiVincenzo went 0 for 5 from the field. Um, Darnell, what did you see out of this one?
1: This one's surprising. I really didn't see this one coming. Like, Giannis, you know, had a, a normal Giannis game, eight rebounds, 27 points. Chris Middleton scored 20. But outside of that, it was really no other bright spots for, you know, the Bucks. They got nine out of. Brent Forbes, he was three of seven from three. That's okay to have. But when you're a minus 20 out there, it doesn't really matter because Denver just got whatever they wanted, whenever they wanted. And all of the starters and double figures, like you said, those are off the bench with 19 plus 28. And like they shot 56% from the field as a team. They made 11 threes, which isn't, you know, a crazy high number it's the same number as the Bucks. So this just came down to two-point baskets, and in that first quarter, they kind of just blitzed them 37-23. They beat them the third quarter 35-30, and in the fourth, it was 29-17. The game was pretty much over by then, but this, just a, this is just a game where the Bucs were out. They just came out flat, and it's really concerning because the Bucs can go hot but when they go cold, they go really cold. And it just shows that it, against a team like Brooklyn, who has so many dynamic isolation scores that can kind of get their shots when things go wrong, it's really going to be tough for the Bucs to contend with a team like that because they're a team that has to make shots from the perimeter and, Everyone has to be going offensively for them to be playing at their best, and I don't know their their floor is just so low to me that they're one of the most confusing teams in NBA this season.
0: Yeah, for the Bucks, you'd think that this would be a good matchup for them, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, again, they put Drew Holiday on the bench. I said last time that that might work for them. Yeah, they can't do that again. Just put Dante on the bench, call it a day. Um, but they won't do that either. But but again, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. Though. This would this would be a team where you'd think, oh man, Giannis, I mean, Yogic is good on defense now, but he not, he not he shouldn't be able to stop Giannis. And they should just have like an athleticism edge, and they just don't do anything. And the Nuggets just came out there and just blew the doors off of them. Um, something again didn't really expect. And now they're fully healthy. There's no real reason to lose by 30 to the Nuggets who are hurt. They don't have Gary Harris, they don't have Paul Milsett and they don't have Jermia Green, and they still do this to you, not a great sign. I don't know home court doesn't matter, but they also were at home. So, <laughs> you yeah. know, at the very least, you weren't playing Denver on their elevation. So not, not not, a great day for the Bucks. and just one right after, you know, Giannis one player of the week, not one that you really wanted to see. Um, moving on, the Grizzlies end up being the Wizards 125, 111. In this game, John Morantz goes crazy 35 points, 10 assists, plus 21. You know, 11 for 18 from the field. Best player, Dylan Brooks, out there, eight for 19, 20 points, plus 25 for him as well. And they got 20 off the bench from Melton, so all the guards really went crazy. Um, for the Wizards, off game for Bradley Bill, minus 25. Six turnovers, eight for eighteen from the field, twenty-three points. Gotta be better, Brad. Um, Westbrook, 23 points, 15 assists. Did have eight turnovers, but hey man, I'm gonna give you 15 assists, you guys kind of deal with that. Um, so Darnell, what did you see out of this one?
1: Yeah, this one was interesting. They brought um they, bought, they had Garrison Matthews. I don't know if he's been starting for them, but he only played nine minutes, so I, I don't think he has been. I don't know what's going on with that, but they just didn't – Washington just couldn't defend anybody coming out of the gates in that second quarter. They lost 36-23 in that quarter. Brandon Clark had nine. Ja had eight. Dylan Brooks had four. They Brandon Clark was a plus 20 in a quarter, Jaw was a plus 16, Dylan Brooks was a plus 20, and that was the biggest difference right there. Just that second quarter, and looking at the entire game, it's anytime for Washington when they don't get that scoring that they're accustomed to out of Bradley Beal, it puts a lot of pressure on everybody else, and on the night. You know, Robin Lopez scored his 14, but he was a minus 14. You know, they got decent minutes out of Bertans and Denny, but just wasn't enough. And Russell Westbrook was doing what he normally does, but the high turnovers is something you don't like. You don't like the high turnovers from Bradley as well. They really didn't get any scoring out of Rui. They need him to to be a better than a minus 26. That's just tough out there. Maybe he was playing a lot of minutes with Bradley Beal. They just couldn't contend with Memphis. But this game for Memphis was really about Jod just being the best player on the floor. He to the free throw line, was 11 of 14, had his 10 assists. They played well as a team. And whenever you can get six guys in double figures and one guy with, you know, 35, that's just a really great recipe to win. And Memphis is playing – you know, they're above 500 now. They're one of those teams in the in the West that can beat teams in the Eastern Conference, but they'll struggle against the high-end teams in, in the West and maybe against in the East. So I think they can make the playoffs. I'm interested to see how they look once they get Jaron Jackson back, whenever that might be. So I have hopes for the Grizzlies. Hopefully they can keep it up. Yeah,
0: exactly. I mean, the Grizzlies, they just – Really, I think the difference in the game was in that second quarter. They just they were quicker to the fight defensively than the Wizards were, um, and they started just playing a little defense. Um, and we know they just play hard, so they have a lot more they have a lot more depth that they can throw at you. Um, or I guess I should say a lot more <clears throat> depth that actually does things because the Wizards try to throw people. Yeah, Brooks really be trying. They just don't do anything. So. so if, if you want people out there just don't do anything, I mean, hey, man, they try. They went out there. They have a lot of a good rotation. And as we see, I mean, just another win for them. They still obviously don't have Jaron Jackson. And, man, ever he comes back. This is a really, really dangerous team. They, there is no reason they should be over 500 right now for being – if we're being completely honest about it. Um, nope. But they are. It's, it's where they are. They're doing great. Ja really has – Done a, Done a great job, you know, just leading this team. Um, and like we've pointed out as well, him and Shea very similar. Um, Shea just has you know, even less help than Ja does. But <clears throat> when they, when they, when they both get good teams, you know, or at least holy teams, we're gonna see what both of them can do, and it's gonna be really fun watch those two guys go at it. But hey amen for the Wizards. They had a nice stretch. They got to get back to it. They got to win some games if they wanna have any chance. You know, trying to make the playoffs still the east, still got time. It's like the west, where you look at a team like the rocks, you're like man, they're done. Um, because you know, all these teams got losing records, but we gotta see, hey man, we're rooting for you, Washington. We need you. Um, moving on, the Suns beat the Lakers 114 104. This was a crazy game. I went to sleep because they made me mad. They got Booker ejected from the game. <laughs> and I was like, man, I guess the Lakers going to win now. And they end up still not being able to pull it off. Um, 21 for stars off the bench, 7-17. Bridges with 19, starting 8-17 and points. 7-14 shooting for him. Chris Paul, 10, 10 assists. And for the Lakers, I mean, LeBron tried 38.6 assists. Just nobody else did much of anything. Schroeder, 6-17 from the field. KCP, 1-7, 4 points. Everyone a minus except for LeBron. You know, Leslie Matthews was a plus one. I don't know the countdowns. It sucks. And Jared Dudley was a plus nine in 11 minutes. Everyone else went out there giving him pad time out there. Darnell, what did you see in this one?
1: Yeah, this is, it was tough because, you know, the Lakers had no Marcus Gasol. So you would think that, okay, it's not a big loss for them, but it ruins their bench because it now it forces Trez to have to start. And once you have Trez in the starting lineup, you have Markeith in the starting lineup because you don't have any Anthony Davis. You have Schroeder in the starting lineup. He's someone that could or possibly, you know, sometimes can come off the bench doesn't really matter, but he's been a starter all all year. So if every there, all of their best players are in the starting lineup, then Corden Tucker was good off the bench scoring 16, but, You know, they got nothing out of Wesley Matthews, seven points from Caruso, which is, you know, okay with his six rebounds and four assists, but they just gotta get more out of everybody else. And they there is no everybody else because everyone's in the starting lineup. And once you're playing against one of the hottest teams in the NBA, even with you know the ejection of Devin Booker, there's still a stabilizer out there in Chris Paul, who's a threat. And you know, it came down to that fourth quarter. LeBron was great; he scored 14 in the quarter, but they couldn't stop Sarge and they couldn't stop Nader down the stretch, and that was the biggest difference.
0: And if you can't start, if you can't stop Sarge and Nader, I got nothing to say to you. I mean,
1: <laughs>
0: kind, kind Scott, hey man, it's one of those things, but a tough. Another tough loss for the Lakers, and we're getting the reports that LeBron gonna sit out next game. He's like, you know what? We just can't lose. Let me take my break since I got played in this stupid All Star Weekend. Um, <clears throat> so we'll see, man. I mean, we know, we know at this point. You know, you watch basketball, you can't freak out too much about the Lakers. It's just no point, or any LeBron team, the Lebrons. There's no point, especially with no AD. But it's an interesting, interesting losses here, um, only because Booker didn't play half the game, so you kind of got it one now, but yeah, they didn't, and so uh, we will see. Moving on, the Celtics beat the no Kawhi Clippers 117-112, uh, Paul George 12 for 26, 32 points, uh, Reggie Jackson 10 for 14, 25.7 assists, and he really was going crazy out there, Terrence Mann 17 minutes, minus 20, Lou Williams 22 minutes, minus 14. Um, Zubats, 20 minutes, my 17. Their bench was awful this game. Um, and for the Celtics, Kemba 25, 8 for 19 out there. Tatum was bad the whole game, pretty much, 5 to 16 shooting. Um, but Jalen Brown picked it up eight for 14, 18 points, and Pritchard five for eight from the field with 14. Darnell, what'd you see out of this
1: Yeah, this one was about you know good Celtics. You know, as as much as it mattered for the Clippers not having Kawhi out there. Once you knew he was out there, you figured that the Clippers would probably lose. And they got great per, you know, scoring from Paul George, he had 32, but it wasn't enough. Reggie Jackson had, you know, the best game he's had as a Clipper, scoring 25. But Toom only had 10. They got 12 from Marcus, or I mean from Lou Williams, but on the defensive end, they couldn't get down, they couldn't get stops on Kimball Walker. Kimball Walker was eight of 19, three of four from the free throw line, got them six assists with his 25. And like you said, the great production from Pritchard, Robert Williams even was out there with his 13 and eight. Like whenever Boston, this is the team that Boston envisioned a team that could have Jason Tatum and Jaden Brown, but surround them with guys that they can make better and they're getting that production out of Pritchard and Williams right now, and every pretty much they've decided to bench everybody else. <laughs> Jeff Teague's not getting any any minutes. They're playing semi 30 minutes, so that's what they're going to do right at that position. So Once Marcus Smart gets back, the rotation can lengthen out a little bit, but Brad Stevens has been tinkering with this team and trying to figure out who can play and who he can trust, and right now it seems like the double big lineup with Tyson Thompson might be the way that they're going to play. So I think for the Clippers, we know without, we can't really judge this just like the Lakers. Like we can't judge the Clippers without Kawhi or Paul George on the floor because we know in the playoffs, they're going to be such an integral part of what they do. So I think the Celtics are a team that's, trying to fight to stay above 500 right now in a, in a weak Eastern Conference and getting a win against the Clippers team that even though they're banged up, is huge. I'm
0: going to judge the Clippers. I'm going to judge one dude out there. Darno, you watch this game, right? Yeah. Late in the game, man, you already know where I'm going with this. So, Paul George misses a three, whatever, and then, you know, mm-hmm. the Celtics go out. Then Reggie Jackson hits one. Then they get the Celtics to miss a free throw, I believe, and and Paul George gets a wide-open three, drills it. Um, We were like, why are they taking so long? But I was like, no, that kind of works because Paul George got a wide-open one. So they're down four now. Tyloo goes into a timeout. This is something, by the way, we did not see last season. He called a beautiful out-of-timeout. I mean, like, one of the best – I mean, the best look you could probably ask for. They went out there wide, open, Paul George. I'm talking wide open, Darno. And I was like, wow, he got hit. And he <laughs> just missed it awfully. It was to the left. It was short. To make things so much worse, Kemba Walker laughing at him as he's going to the free throw line. Me and the people I'm watching the game with laughing at him. It's just one. Of, and, and it's, bro, it's like you really – Paul George looks so good at points. He'd just be doing step back threes over people. And you really do want to believe. You do. Because you're like, man, he got me. he's going to do it this time. But he
1: just never does it. The hell, man. It was two of ten for the field and one of six from three in the fourth quarter. Oh, and With ESPN five
0: points. wanted to give him slack because Doris Burke was the one who said the infamous, he's an MVP nonsense. But she said it, so she didn't want to dog him. But he was bad in the Bucks game, and they pulled up the stats. Crunch time minutes against the Bucs, 05. Crunch time minutes against the Celtics, 1 for 7. This is before he hit a three and missed another one. So he ended up being 2 for 9. I, it's just like, damn, dog. And, and it was just <laughs> that it was open, but the shot wasn't even close. And then the one before that that made me mad was he had it in transition Kemba on him. They're down 4, but he really could have just gone right to the basket. And he just shoots a contested three. And I was like, dude. What are you doing? <laughs> what are you doing? And he's just efficient the whole game, but in the fourth he folded. And, I mean, it's like I know everyone at this point knows this what he's going to
1: do, he's going to fold, yada, yada, yada. But, damn, man.
0: <laughs> Come on, man. I'm
1: this is kidding. this is part of the reason why I believe that the Clippers aren't on the level of a lot of the other teams is because Paul George isn't of the level of a lot of those other players and it's just proven time and time again in the crunch time. And it happened last year in the playoffs. One of the biggest reasons for their collapse to happen in Oklahoma city didn't really happen as much in Indiana against those LeBron teams, but you know, he still, when he had the chance to make win game winning shots, he never did it. So I don't know if I'm not going to sit here and, and say that, He's going to choke again in the playoffs this year. I'll say it. <laughs> I'm willing to – but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be sitting on my hands watching and waiting to see what happens this year in the playoffs. And until then, I have no major takeaways on the Clippers because, for me, they got to prove it to me in the playoffs. No matter what they do in a regular season, it's not going to matter to me because they collapse and I got to see them show that they're not the same team as last year.
0: By the way, the one other thing, TNT was really on this. They they wanted a close game so bad, and they got one, and they had all the Clippers stats ready. The Clippers are 29th <laughs> in the league in crunch time scoring. 29th. Wow. The second worst in the league
1: in crunch time Wow. Wow. They just – yeah, I think I heard that from uh, Brian Windhorst that's amazing that they're so low with perceived superstar with two of the perceived superstars in the league. Like, Mm -hmm. is this more about Kawhi Leonard is not, he hasn't missed that many games this year. Is this more of an indictment on Kawhi Leonard or is it an indictment on Paul George? Like, you know, most people believe it to be.
0: I think we're at the point where you can definitely say it's both. Right. Like you can definitely, you, you can give Paul George all the shit, but I'd be, I'd, bro, I'm right there. And I trust me, trust me, I'd be on the Kawhi bandwagon sometimes. Bro. I'm watching him play because I'm like, he really is a machine until he starts overheating, and that's in big clutch moments. <laughs> and, and, and when that happens, he just doesn't do anything. Smack there. We watch it against the Bucks. It was right there. And he was right there, missing every shot right with Paul George. The only good thing for him is that Paul George is right there to take off
1: some of that heat. Take off a lot of that. And and for whatever reason, people just won't criticize Pyle under he can do no wrong. Can't. It's the rings. I don't know, man, because I agree with you. I think I think anytime I can't say that either. I was gonna say anytime you have a player win a ring early in his career, they don't criticize him that much. But Kyrie won a ring and people don't treat him like a champion at all. They treated him like he's never done anything in this league. Kyrie did have LeBron.
0: It's a little different. Come on, you can't compare a Kyrie LeBron ring to Kawhi winning it with
1: the Raptors. No, they- I'm talking about I'm talking about Kawhi's first championship with San Antonio versus Kyrie's championship with the Cavs. Well, part of it is before. Well, before he got to
0: the Clippers, he never was even in the spotlight because you know he was hurt that one season. The other year he had the ankle thing, even though he, he was he was better than all the Warriors players. It's crazy. He was going to beat them. Stand by that. Um, but he got hurt or whatever, so we never got to see that. And then he would, we went to the Raptors and won a ring. So I think he's still living off of that winning the winning the ring with the Raptors thing. And Paul George has never gotten close. So that's like the reason. Yeah. Um, that makes sense. And. Last postseason, he was – how do you say this? He was okay enough, right, in the first round mm-hmm. where people ignored his second-round failures because Paul George was bad in the first round. But Paul George is actually good in the second round. It's crazy. crazy. Um, but, but no, yeah, you're – no, you're right. Kawhi going to start getting the slack. The only slack he's really ever gotten is uh, maybe he's not the best player in the world. Maybe he's not up there as the second best player in the world right now. So I don't know how much slack that is as much as just coming to the realization of, you know, the, the facts. But, hey, baby steps, I guess. I, don't th- I, don't th- I He's just not going to criticize because he's quiet, though. Like, Paul George do just keep talking and putting himself in these situations. That's, that's another good
1: point. He's making a lot of good points
0: there, man. <laughs> he won't shut up. So, like, dude, not gonna ever be quiet.
1: <laughs>
0: With the quietest dude right there, not saying anything. You know, it is what it is. All right, Darnell. Yep. Layer of the last two days, game of the last two days, coach of the last two days and dickhead of the last two days.
1: Alright, so for my player of the last two days is Jokic because he's just been putting up big numbers and he did it back-to-back games and for my coach of the last two days I'm going to go with this is a tough one. I'm going to go with I'm going to go Monty Williams. Getting that win against the Lakers last night, being one of the hottest teams in the basketball, and just continuing to get the the most out of, you know, all of the players on the team. Getting a win without Devin Booker for the majority of it is impressive, especially against the Lakers team, even though they don't have, you know, obviously Anthony Davis and Marcus Saul. But I think my – So what I have left is the last two days. Game and think my. You said who? Game. Oh, game. Yeah, game. The game of the last two days. I think I'm going back to March first, and I'm going to go with San Antonio Brooklyn, because obviously that was a game that was close, and it was. Forced in overtime, there was a play where Kyrie had a layup that could have sealed it, but he missed it. Bounced right off the back of the rim, bounced right out. That led to the Jamal or to Deont- De- DeJounte Murray three or long two that forced overtime. So that was a crazy ending to the fourth, and that went in overtime. And for my dickhead of the last two days, This one's going to be a tough one, but I got to go with the Atlanta Hawks GM just because for whatever reason, they wanted to blame someone for all of the injuries in Atlanta and they let go of their coach too soon. So I think Lloyd Pierce got a raw deal and I'm going to just go with Travis Slank as the guy.
0: That's his name. Damn Travis.
1: <laughs> my
0: player of the last few days, got guy, Grace, it's Jokic. He just is – man, he – I think – I'm going to have to say he's my MVP right now. It's really close, obviously, between those three. But if LeBron just keep losing these games. And Embiid kind of being, you know, teetering almost because they lose, they lose too many of to teams right now. And the Nuggets just, I mean, that blowout—it's—they're all right there, you know. It's not like yeah. it's a big lead by any stretch, but just for right this second, because he's a basically about to win Player of the Week for sure. Um, I'm going, going, I'm going, Yoke Man. Um, my game of the last two days—I'm going to have to agree. I to have to go with Kyrie. The Kyrie missed layup. A rare one. Um, and the Spurs take taking overtime, and they lost in overtime. They got them there. So that was impressive. And yeah, coach, I agree as well. I gotta go Monty Williams because you know, you know, one person I'm looking for is him, but to get them through that win, <laughs> I'm looking for him to fuck up. But hey man, he got them through a game against the Lakers with no booker. I can't say anything about it. You know, it was a great job by him. And they yep. really, you know, that's a big win for their confidence, too, because they were you could just see how bad they wanted. They were chippy the whole game, they were upset, they were mad as hell. That's why they everyone was getting technicals out there, and the refs were just you know uptight to say the least. Um, but good job by my homes and my dickhead of the day. Next is gonna give it to the refs, man, of that Phoenix Lakers game, cuz. <laughs> why, are we kicking, why are we kicking Devin Booker out of the game? Prime time game too. Game, prime time game. People, people like like us, man. We stayed up. We fought through that just to watch in the third quarter and get kicked out. What the hell! I wanted to see that. That was just lame. It made me mad. Ugh. So yeah, there you go. It can take that. Man. That's a good option. Dude, oh my God, ESPN! What the fuck are y'all doing? Sorry, I just looked at the games for tonight, and I see that Brooklyn Rockets. It's on ESPN. That's a that's a solid game. I mean, you know, it's not, but
1: whatever. It's James Harden's return. It's yeah. James Harden's return. That's the only high or the only storyline. But that's what I'm. Watching. The Rockets suck. The Rockets do suck. That's why I'm like.
0: That's why it made me mad when I saw that. Because guess what? The game is right there with it. Right there with it. Which one? Sixers Jazz. Oh, that would be nice. Yep, we, we know how they operate, but that's a huge game, man. That's a big one. I definitely want to see that. Got to see that action. So tonight, gonna to be an interesting one. Let's see what ESPN has. All right, actually, they got a good they got a good one tonight. That's gonna to be fun. It's Warriors Blazers. I gotta watch that one. That's must see. Oh. Steph versus Dane? Yeah. One last time? That's I'll a, take that. That's a must-see one right there for All-Star break. I will take it. So good job, ESPN. proud of you. You got at least that 10 o'clock game right. Um, So excited about that one. And um, amen. Thank you guys so much for listening. So for Darnell Jones, this is Demetrius Mason, and uh, have a good one.
1: Next
0: time.